0: Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Spotlight Conversations where we converse with artists from all genres of music and visual art and poetry and writing and so forth and so on. Today, we're blessed to have with us a young lady, a poetess uh, hailing from out of California in the name of LGB Poet. Welcome to Spotlight Conversations.
1: Good morning.
0: Hey, good morning, good afternoon. So glad to have you with us. Uh, It's been a long time coming. You know, I've been in the short time that I've seen some of your work and heard some of your work, I've become a fan. Um, Your poetry seems to be very real and from the heart. So, you know, again, thank you for joining me.
1: Thank you for having
0: me. All right, uh, let's start off by telling us where you're from.
1: Originally born in Ecuador. And raised in Southern California from the age of two. I'm now 43 years old. Moved around as I was growing up, so I say I'm from a lot of areas in L.A.
0: <laughs> and just
1: landed in Burbank as a late teenager.
0: Okay, Burbank, California. Uh, when did you realize that you had a gift of writing and, and poetry?
1: I think I think I would say concretely in the last maybe three years, to really accept it, but um, I started writing when I was 19. Didn't even know I had that. I was able to do that. Then I met a friend of mine at 19, his name is Ken. He just continued to give me some lines and I just continued to write and lost touch. And then I just kept on writing for 20 something years.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Um, see, I, I've done I've done something similar to that. I used to be on a, um, a message board on a website called black voices and it was like one of the subsidiaries of that was called mahogany love and you know someone would write a poem or or maybe begin a short story and then another person would pick up and then pick up and pick up and so on i think that was pretty good uh, therapy as far as writing what is love to you in all honesty
1: i think i'm i guess there's different levels of love and i think i'm Trying to discover that. Um, I'm trying to discover that because I'm trying to even find out what self-love is. I think the maybe it's the more more purest love I can say is the love I have for my son, which is genuine, real, and the most hurtful love I've ever experienced. The different types of love, I'm still discovering what that is. I don't hmm. really know.
0: Yeah, I mean. that's uh, that's a, an ongoing mission, I guess, for everyone. Um,
1: Depends on people's journeys. Depends on people's past. Depends on how willing you
2: are.
0: Yeah. For you, what's the connection between music and culture, and how does our culture and community benefit from that?
1: For me, music is very therapeutic. It's always been a place that I can go to um, to identify those words I couldn't even find um, the culture I think definitely for me, the Black culture has something to do with the fact that there's such realness, such suffering, and on my personal level, my personal life, there's been a lot of suffering since I was five. It's like adversity is probably just tattooed in my skin, but nobody can see it. Suffering and adversity, but um, it's the fact that there's just a lot of realness in our in our lives such suffering and and suffering creates strength, resiliency, willingness. And, and I think I have all of that, but it doesn't mean that we're always strong. So that's why I feel like the culture and the music definitely merge for me in my writing.
0: I noticed from your, you know, from a lot of your scribes that they're emotional and, and very heartfelt. Um, talk about what, what you've gone through. If you would like to get into it, um, and how it translates to your writing.
1: Um, yeah. I know the poem that I sent you, was it Finding the Road to Me? Finding the Road to Me basically is kind of like a short little story. I didn't intend it to be that way. I just wrote it the way it had just came out. And um, at that time when I wrote it, I was again going through some very, very difficult times with the relationship I was in at that time. but it just reminded me of everything that I had been through in my life, which is since I was five, I had probably a little too personal right now. So you'll have to go ahead and read it, but to your listeners, but just to briefly say, there was just a lot of suffering and abuse throughout the years. And then I kind of, unbeknownst to me until later years, I was kind of reliving those abuses in the relationship I was in for 20 years. So mm. I finally gathered the strength and courage and, And knowledge, because I had to actually seek some self-knowledge to understand what was it that I was going through. It just felt so painful. And I, being that I had gone to therapy a lot, that helped a lot. Therapy, self-knowledge, self-seeking knowledge, and um, psychological and human nature. And then I gathered the strength to just... I would say I gathered the strength to decide. But I think a certain situation, the way that it transpired forced me to be pushed out. And I, I, in retrospect now, I say that's the way it had to happen, you know, because probably with the kind heart that I have, I would have probably been sitting there still trying to comprehend the situation and be nice, even though we would have been separated, still trying to um, give that person grace so they can get their life together while I just continue to crumble inside. But I think things happen in my life, per se, um, personally. They had to happen the way it happened. I was, mm. that scenario had to happen for me and it was just a, a, a situation where I didn't feel safe anymore. I had to leave and I had to, and I did. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, um. It, it's, it's funny because you have to go through something, right? In order to really appreciate where it is that you feel you want to go you know um because there was a lot of stuff and i'm a little i'm a, I'm a little bit older than you, um but there was a lot of stuff that was going on in my family that i really was oblivious to only because my mind i'm a dreamer you know what i mean my mind is always somewhere else and once I lost, I think the turning point in my life was when I lost my mother. Um, My mom passed. I was 26, I think, and my mother was 50. And she's a young lady, you know? And I depended on her so much, right? That when she passed, I like withdrew from everybody. I withdrew from my, you know, the relationship I was in with my um, my ex-wife. I withdrew from other family members. I withdrew from friends. The only thing I didn't withdraw from was my job, because I had to, you know, had to keep making. It. But I was done, you know what I mean? And that helped grow me up so much, you know what I mean? Because I still had a lot of play in me. So I can relate to what you're saying, as far as, um, you know, deeply rooted or deeply embedded things going on in your family. And, you know, hopefully that made you, as it did me, it made me a better person. And with my own family, with my children, and my wife that transitioned, may she rest in peace. um, It just made me better. So I feel good. I don't feel good that I don't have my my baby with me anymore physically, but it just made me feel good about what I can contribute to my children and the rest of the community. You feel that way?
1: I what I feel because I, Mega, listen to you for your wife's passing. Um, my mother passed away in 2019. So when my relationship 20 year old relationship ended it was the 20 year old relationship ending my mother passing then I felt like I lost everything did it make me a better person per se I think I've always been a good person and maybe that's the thing that I'm now recognizing even more that I'm so kind so understanding so maybe maybe it is making me even better but how much more kind and understanding can I be without somebody just stomping all over my heart Mm. And without somebody, and I still, even in that, I'm still compassionate because I believe everybody has their personal journeys and they have their own lessons to learn because everybody has their their backstory, whether it be sexual abuse, mental abuse, uh, imprisonment, whatever the case may be, everybody has their personal journeys. And I think I will always understand that, but I think what I'm getting is just exhausted of being Hurt in the end, and I also have to take, you know, acknowledge that the roles that I play in my own life, I have to be accountable for, even though I wasn't fully aware. But as you become more aware, then you choose better. You make just better choices. Mm -hmm. At least I'm trying to make them. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't always happen, but to to relate to you, like it does. I guess to some degree, it does.
0: Yeah. and adversity
1: always propels you into a better understanding if you allow yourself
0: hmm. um, how much of your your i hope i say this correctly guayaquil guayaquil guayaquil
1: that's like the guayaquil ecuador
0: yeah did i say that right i just wanted to make no, sure you
1: chopped it up so guayaquil is where i was born in ecuador so guayaquil is I believe
0: Okay. Why?
1: Well,
0: it's okay. You can chop it off. But, you know. Yeah, you know I don't want to try to be as uh, as cool as I can. But how much There's of that? A- <laughs> how much of that uh, um, culture guides your writing? Does any of it?
1: I say nothing because um, I don't know really my culture, and that's those are the other things in my personal life where I realize that. I don't really know anything about my culture other than within the culture and the culture, everybody creates their own culture. So I have family culture as it pertains to Ecuador. I don't know anything about my country. So that's one of my things in my in my um, bucket list to end up going to my country and discover where I come from because mm. I don't know anything about that. Um, I just know I'm Hispanic. I'm a, I was born in Ecuador. I'm Ecuadorian. I was born and raised in the culture within my, what my parents created and within that culture, because like that's what I said, we have our culture within our culture.
2: Right.
1: And um, then I'm just trying to um, get out of certain belief systems that um, that culture created. So, but to answer your question, I don't think, well, let me say, within that culture, not my rooted culture as an Ecuador, but within the culture, within the culture, it's mainly the suffering. Hmm. That has a lot to do with writing because i had to find some way to release it which thank god it's been writing and then running and jogging that's what i mean
0: yeah you still have family over there that you uh
1: in ecuador excuse me i have um a brother who was deported and my mother's side of the family but i've never met my mother's side other than when one of my aunties came down when my mother was passing That was the first time in my 40 something years at that time that I had ever met anybody from my mother's side.
0: Wow. Wow. Cause I'm, you know, and doing what I do, uh, because I'm I'm newsy, right? But I went and and um, you know, visited, you know, the website or one of the websites that talks about Guayaquil and it's on the west bank of the Wyas River and all that kind of good stuff. It looks like a nice place, but also, underneath of that, I read that they had a lot of, you know, political protests and stuff going on over there. So um, I'm sure every looks,
1: every country has that, every state yeah, has that. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, I have nothing, I have no idea what's going on over there. Who are some of your, your poetic and writing influences? Who have you looked up to as far as writing?
1: I really haven't followed too many, but I would say Maya Angelou and Tupac Shakur. sounds kind of ridiculous, but yeah, Tupac Shakur. Because oh, no. I think that's some... Um, Artists are, I think, musicians, well, the real ones, the ones that can really actually pen it down, and Tupac had a lot of words. Um, I've watched the movie, Piñero. If you ever, guys, you need to watch Piñero. That poet is awesome. The suffering, again, behind his life, that movie. Mm. It's amazing. And uh,
0: Maya Angelou. Yeah, but Tupac, yeah, look, I always consider him, he's one of my favorite poets. I got, I got almost everything he's ever done. Um, I have
1: one of his books and um, it's just when he was younger, it's just really nice to read what he had. It's just a journal writing.
2: Yeah. And
1: that's how it feels. It's just liberating. Excuse my throat. I have a lot of coughing.
0: Explain, <laughs> explain, explain uh, escaping the echoes of myself.
1: So that is the title of my current poetry book that I'm working on. And Escaping the Echoes of Myself basically is me escaping into my writing because I overthink a lot. And and you just feel it, at least I feel it. And then when I talked to another, a musician when I was driving one day, we can just hear things like stories, lines, sounds, whatever. and from a a creator's point of view. And the way that we escape, he escapes into his music creating and I escape into my poetry. So that's the echoes that are in there. We escape into our art.
0: That's what escaping the echoes of myself is. Hmm. When do you think that'll be uh, ready for public consumption?
1: I would say within the next six months because I just talked to the editor who's editing my book. I have to do some things that she suggested which I think are great things that she suggested. And then I'm trying to decide if I wanna release it through KDP, self-publish, or um try to shop it out to some publishing small publishing mm-hmm. companies. Yeah. So that it depends on that. So I would say with the next six months, maybe sooner.
0: Oh, okay. Well I'll just make sure I get my autographed copy. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> you will, definitely. Uh what what is a free soul?
1: Um, for me, a free soul is allowing yourself to experience anything and everything that I'm going through. Because, um, I can be very hard on myself. Why do I feel this way? Why do I just question myself? Why? Why, 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 why? But when I'm allowing myself to just be free to experience it, whether it be pain, emotional pain, confusion just to sit in the moment and then just continue to be free enjoy life try to at least because I, I don't really know how to enjoy life mm. i don't know how to enjoy it i i know what trauma is i know what adversity is i know how to push through all of that but do i really know authentically what it is to enjoy life from a true joyous space i don't know so i'm learning to be free in
0: all of that. so, That's what so- when, when do you do you make time for yourself to kind of answer some of those questions you just posed to yourself?
2: Yeah,'
1: I'm, I'm learning to do that too because my life has always been go 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 and um, everybody else first, everybody else's emotions first. even though I might have been carrying a heavy load, I would try to figure it out. And it's not, you know, I share these things. It's not for anybody to feel pity. It's just really, this has been my life. Mm. And I think as more as I just step away from my own self and just look into myself, that I am, I'm recognizing that there's a lot of, of learning my own life process that I need to go through. I need to really know what it is to, to be happy. Genuinely happy. Without the worry of, How's my son doing? Is my son gonna love me now? Cause there's a situation there where my son, I don't talk to him. He doesn't talk to me. Um, is my ex gonna be okay? Is everybody gonna be okay? I don't. I need to stop worrying about everybody else and worrying about my joy, but not in a selfish way. Cause I think a lot yeah. of people go from being so selfless to selfish. I think there's a middle ground. I can still love and care, but it's just learning that middle ground.
0: Mm.
1: This is very vulnerable. I'm telling you all these things.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, that's where that's where most of us are actually are, but we don't like to admit it. It's like, um, you know, it's like it's just guarding yourself and your your emotions, because I do the same thing. Um, And, you know, I always bring up my wife, um, but what you you just said something, she always was the kind that cared about everybody else and making sure that everybody else was fine and herself, you know, was maybe secondary or even third dairy. Um, And it, it really showed when people reached out after she transitioned and, and I saw how much I knew what kind of person that she was, but to see what her outreach was and how people, how she affected other people's lives, that was really, uh, that was really something for me to uh, to witness. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm sad and I'm happy at the same time, you know? That is cool. Yeah. Um, so... What else is going on? I mean, what what, in today, what's going on today in the world, in the United States, in Los Angeles, that you'd like to talk about?
1: Not really much. I try to stay away from negativity right now. I'm kind of pure purging myself. Um, I am always having something going on on a personal level, but those things are just moving through, walking, second by second, day by day, and trying to become a little bit more private, but yet not private. It sounds mm-hmm. crazy, but you maybe understand, like, doing your own thing, but sharing certain things around the world. I don't really pay attention too much, because I don't, I have my personal beliefs on certain things. I don't know. I don't have much to talk about the world. Certain yeah. things, um, I don't right now.
2: I know. <laughs> oh, man. Have you ever,
1: have you just ever experienced a point in your life when there's so much going on that you just get so engulfed in everything that's going on that it's actually toxic? It's so toxic to yourself that you start realizing, like, I need to stop doing this.
2: Yeah,
1: there's so much passion in me about certain things so many years ago that I'm like exhausted from it. At some point, I remember Dominique De Prima from KJLH, when I used to listen to her every morning at six something in the morning. It was all that passion about uh, the culture and, and police brutality and all that, great. And I loved it because we were, on, in my head, I was like, we're on the same page, You know, move on. But now I realize, because as, as, I still follow her now, she's at another um, station, I can't remember off the top of my head. It, she just sounds a lot more mellow now on how she deals with the, the issues around the world. And I think that's what growth does. We realize that we don't always have to be so fired up about everything because even though things take time to change, uh, people have to unite, we actually have to look out for ourselves individually. Um, Family and the, the closest friends that you have, the closest family members, but ultimately you, yourself and yourself. Again, it's not, I don't think it's being selfish anymore for me. I think I'm just learning how to finally put myself first. And that's how I feel the the world around me now. Like there's Mm -hmm. so much going on. There's always so much going to be going on. I've been on my own per se, mentally, emotionally for so long, but still caring for everybody else first. Mm -hmm. Now that I'm getting older and learning how to be on my own after 20, even though I was in a 20 year relationship, I was still on my own. Yeah, try being in a relationship where you're alone. And I mean alone. Yeah. And then that happened to me for another three years with somebody else. And then now I'm like, alone, alone.
2: Yeah. So
1: it's just embracing that. So I don't really worry too much or, or give too much attention to what is going on outside of me anymore.
2: Hmm.
1: It's more like what's happening inside and how can I move through this? How can I heal from this and be happy? I can't control anything
0: around me. Yeah, yeah. Excuse me. You know, it seems like since I retired, you know, from work, I'm busier now than I was when I was working. And it's like, I told myself once I retired that I'm gonna chill.
1: But it's a good thing that you keep yourself busy because I mean, the older you get and when you retire, you know, the more movement from my understanding, as you get older, the more busy or movement you have, the longer you live. But if you just stay sedated, then you're gonna end up sad, um, health problems, perhaps. So you have to keep on moving.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: get a bike and go bike riding.
0: Yeah, you know what? You know what? And I have a bike, and I haven't gotten on that thing for a long time. So now you're I
1: time just, to do
0: that. Yeah, it is. It is time to do it. It is time to do it because I um you know did go through some things that told me, oh you need to get you need to get on your bike and go riding sometime. You know? Um, but it's in 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 Philly it's so much and I know it's going on all around the country but in Philly. These young folks today, and I'm talking about teenagers. Used to be when we complained about young people, we'd say, oh man, he's 20 something years old. We talking teenagers now. And the, the violence and the gun violence, it's like, um, it's just unbelievable. I mean, it has people walking around, adults like myself. You gotta walk around strapped, basically. You know what I mean? Because these, these young people, and they're taking that whole mask thing with the uh you know the covid they're taking that to a whole nother level because they're wearing masks and they're wearing hoodies and all that kind of stuff now i know not to generalize because everybody is not like that but there's so many people especially these young folks that are taking advantage of being able to be incognito like that in order to be vicious out here especially to our I like to call them our more established citizens because back in the day, you couldn't, you approach a, an older adult and disrespect them, you would catch pure hell. You know what I mean? You would, it, that just wasn't acceptable. Now just, look, they have no respect for themselves. So how could they respect somebody else? You know what I mean? What's the, what's the, the climate like in LA?
1: I know that when I do catch the news or social media news that I see a lot of um, some of these kids or I don't know how old they are, they're going into just robbing people or robbing jewelry stores. I see that and it doesn't surprise me because we also have to look at the times. And again, the you know, people just, some people might look at them as thugs. I kind of look at it a little bit different as um Everybody's going through what they're going through. Not that I can not that I condone this. I don't by any means condone violence. Um, but I do understand that if we're coming into a time where you have such a high recession and the cost of living is so high in California, New York, Southern Northern California, Southern California where I'm at, it is very hard to live. So people have to do what they have to do to survive. I don't like I said, I'm not agreeing to what they're doing. But violence has been around for years. It's That's why you have a lot of people passing, whether it be teenage violence, that's those are the type that you have to fear the most because they're not really thinking. They're Mm -hmm. just acting on peer pressure or they're acting on survival. And a lot of people are trying to survive right now. If maybe, I'm not saying we should lean on the government, but maybe they make the corporate America could make the cost of living a little bit more affordable, um, jobs a little bit more realistic in the earning, uh, provide more um, realistic schooling, and maybe things can be different. But it's not that way. So that's how I see certain things when I do come across them. My personal views. Mm. You know, these are just people trying to survive. People are just trying to really make ends meet. I live on my own, and I have to work my full time job. I'm, I can live paycheck to paycheck if I have to pay, but I I, I want to save money. And so, I have to do a second, second form of income to go ahead and be able to do that so then I can have plans to move myself further. Mm. So, just people have to understand. They don't have to. If they open their eyes to understand a little bit more than just being portrayed that they're just being um, criminals out there, and I had to yeah. use that word because, you know, black and white identical crimes can be. Identify so differently.
2: Other oh, they yeah.
1: So that's that's another. That's a criminals or criminal acts.
0: Right. Right. Um, oh, I see that right now. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know, it's a blessing that uh, that my children, <coughs> um, they're all doing, you know, positive things. Well, my children now they're in their thirties, and I do have my daughter is forty. Wow, time is flying, by. <laughs> man. You know, but you know it's a blessing that that we were able to keep them on the straight and narrow. Um, do you That's because have- you had a good team right there. Yeah, yeah. A
1: good team. You know, you need. I think you need good parenting teams, and to understand each other's strengths and weaknesses to be able to raise children. And as cliche as it sounds, it does really take a village to raise people to raise children. It does. I think for my child, um, I don't think my child's doing bad, but I think he could have had, he could have benefited benefited a lot more emotionally if both his father and I were at least on some same page to, Mm. um, to raise him better. Cause we were complete opposites in certain things, complete opposites. I come from, even though my upbringing was very, very tumultuous, tumultuous, um, my parents, my mother was just a strong one. She just had that power with her eyes. I mean, they're just the look, and you will never, ever. I, <laughs> one time in my life, I got a good whooping from my mother. One time, just because I looked at her wrong. Mm. Never again did I do that. And even before her passing, there was one time she heard me speaking, I think, to my older sister, and I used the F word. She's like, looks at me. I'm like, I'm sorry, mom. That much respect I had for my mom. Yeah. Yeah, even though I had certain other emotions towards her too, which we reconciled before her passing. Um, but still, I think that a lot of relationships, a lot of it would be great to see successful marriages, and I, I'm beginning to see that. Like I, my mentor, her and her husband, I've had conversations with her many times of what makes a good, successful marriage, and she's given me those those words, and I'm like, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that one day God will align me with um, the one that is supposed to be mine, My, mm. a man who wants to be a husband, not just a man who wants to be a man, you know? It's just, it's so different. I'm learning all those, even those words, a man that wants to be a husband is different from a man just wants a girlfriend mm. or, wants, or a woman that just wants a boyfriend. I don't want a boyfriend. I want a life partner of man who wants to be a husband and I can be a wife.
0: That's scary. Yeah. That's scary. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Because, because I know i you know, um, because it becomes that it's not just about you anymore. You know what I mean? And that whole, that whole sharing thing, that's a That's some work. That's some work right there, boy. That's
1: scary after being in some situation for so long and, Thinking you have your independence, but you really don't have your independence because when if you don't have, I, I think that even within a relationship, you should definitely have some autonomy pertaining to your mental state. You know, you have to be your own individual. But when you've been in, when I've been in situations where the 20 year relationship, in retrospect, I, I fought for my individuality. Hmm. I fought for my being me. And I don't know. It's
0: just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't you don't think you're you're too guarded now, do you? To the point I where am. you where you to the to the point where I guess it would take a lot of work for somebody to wanna to be your uh <laughs> Um, you know what? In in
1: one of the poems that I think I shared with you it's casket i i wrote in there i became kind of cynical and i think that um yes i've become kind of cynical like i think like what do people want i became more cynical i didn't know i was cynical even growing up but um i still am able to to give somebody the um and it depends i'm very particular i'm very particular i don't just give anybody
0: well as you should be
1: I do allow people to say, well, if you want to get to know me as a friend, because there there are good people out there. It doesn't always have to be a sexual encounter. It doesn't always have to be like, let's see where it can go as in a, in a romantic relationship. But if you can, if you come across good people, yeah. And I, I think I come across pretty good people. And but I'm always upfront with them that if I'm not ready, if I'm not I'm not ready, I let them know that I'm not looking for anything. So I don't think I'm guarded for sure. But um, I mean, you can't talk to me. I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm not gonna be a mean individual. I just people can talk to me.
0: Yeah. So do you <clears throat> have any do you have any of your um, poetry with you right now that you'd like to share? I can pull
1: some up. Um, do you want me to share the ones that I sent to you? Nope. want me Ooh. to share something else. Yes. I don't have anything new per se, but I can maybe read, <laughs> wait, The Mother to One. Did I send you that one?
2: Yes. I was going to read that one. Go ahead.
1: Okay. Well, let me, let me go get my journal because I didn't prepare myself with this. Hold on. I'll be right back. All right. So I'm going to share this one. Um, it's called The Gaze. And the reason I called it The Gaze, it's just, to, it, I got an, I wrote it because a friend of mine has a portrait of a black woman's face with her beautiful lips, her coarse hair and shoulder collarbone. You guys would just see that portrait, it's it's beautiful. But um, I wrote this poem called The Gaze. The gaze will pierce your wonder. No, my gaze will pierce your wonder as you admire the contours of my face. The beauty of my nose inhales true history. The fullness of my lips will never be replaced. My ancestors' blood reflect in the silkness of my skin. The strength in my collarbone nestles deep within. Heed the vastness of my hair as you stand bewildered in your stare. Accept all of me, the woman, the spirit, who will forever be free.
0: That's the gaze. The gaze. Nice. Nice, anymore, you got your book open, Here, want... Just do one more, just do one more. So let me be selective. How many books like that do you have? You probably got like three or four of the books with all your writing. I
1: have a, a lot of <laughs> there. I was looking through my journals the other, you know, a few weeks ago, and I, I saw how much I've grown as it pertains to my writing. And um, I also saw how much suffering I write about. So I'm trying to change that a little bit. And and see if I um if I can be a little bit more positive in my writing, which I am actually working towards that.
0: So yeah, but but does but does does do you have to be positive all the time?
1: No, but you can because you know we live at I believe we live from a, our subconscious mind. So if I'm always subconsciously in pain, then but I want to have and create another life for myself. I'm trying to literally change the subconscious way of thinking, whether it be by listening to YouTube videos while I sleep in the healing process, the nervous system, the the subconscious mind, the dismantling of old beliefs to new beliefs. And so I want to learn how to be more, expand my writing by including optimism. Mm. I'm an optimistic person. Very much. I believe there's always a silver lining in every situation, whether it be heartbreaking, whatever we whatever may be going through, there's always a silver lining. And you just have to find it. Like, read the book on The, alchemy, the Alchemist. You'll find omens everywhere. You just have to find it. Mm-hmm. Be optimistic. And you'll, you'll, you'll see something there. So I just need to, I feel, I'm trying to just incorporate that as well.
0: Yeah.
1: More into the... There's good in life too, there's not always bad.
0: Right, right, right.
1: So the next one that I'm gonna share is called, I fell in love. <clears throat> I, I didn't send you this one, but this one's called I fell in love. I fell in love with another woman's man. I fell in love with a touch of his deceptive hands. The warmth of his body ravaged my soul. His words have a word, have a way. Some kind of mind control. The lies I ignored time and time again, masking it with thoughts that he's my homie, lover, friend. He's now become my addiction, my Monday night prediction. This has become an affliction to my soul. Monday night lover, then Tuesday night agony to my soul. I have lost control. But I fell in love. I fell in love with another woman's man. I fell in love with the touch of his deceptive hands. Yet I pray and wonder each day if he will leave her for me, validate the love while I'm lost in my own insecurities, bottled up in my obscurities. But please don't judge me, for my broken heart couldn't understand the dilemma I had gotten in, because I fell in love with another woman's man. Eighteen months in, now I feel the need to cleanse myself of his skin, but... To forget his caramel colors, his luscious lips, the whispers and his kiss, are just portraits to reminisce. Bliss no more. To be continued.
0: Mm. I'm not done. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. Been there. <laughs> been there. It's been a while uh, since I've been there, but I've been there before. <laughs> uh. I
1: had never been there until i have been there. Right. And it was the hardest and you know in being very vulnerable and just very candid with you it's it 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 was a struggle because it definitely totally went against my moral my core beliefs totally it was it was hard
0: but it felt so good it,
1: it, it was a double-edged
0: sword situation. <laughs> i say that. No. I mean, either way, it's just...
1: you were going to end up, <laughs> either way, you're going to end up hurt.
0: Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: Yes. It happened. I ended up hurt.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: ended up hurt.
2: So.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But yeah, I wrote that. And um, there's another one that I wrote after that, but I can't, I know I have it somewhere in my phone. But yeah, that was my experience.
0: Yeah. Never, yeah, never gonna be there
1: again, I'll tell you that.
0: Oh yeah, well, never. you know, yeah, you learn, you learn. Sometimes those lessons are, are, are hard and you got to take that fall. But when you get back up, you know, that's the whole key to get back up and dust yourself off. And, you know, keep full it.
1: accountability for the role that you played. Because
0: oh, yes. at the end of the day,
1: even though no matter how vulnerable you were at the time, when you know, who is it? I think it was Maya Angelou who says, when you learn, teach, when you, it's something to that nature, like when you learn, teach, when you know, then you do different.
0: Mm-hmm. So then, that's what you gotta do. Yeah, yeah. And look, everybody, like you said, goes through something. Some people have gone through similar stuff. And like you said, going against your morals and doing this and X, Y, Z. At the end, at the real end of the day, you just have to explain it to a higher being and pray that you're forgiven, (laughs) you know what I mean?
1: Depending on whatever belief you have, you know?
0: Right, right.
1: Some people have no remorse doing stuff like that. Some people are just, they are who they are. But I do. (laughs) I, I, first and foremost, I try to forgive myself. And that's hard. That's really hard. Yeah. Ask God for forgiveness. I believe in God. I'm not Christian. I'm spiritual. But I believe there's a higher being. Yeah. Um, And try to forgive myself. And that's the hardest thing ever.
0: Yeah. Well, they say you are your own worst (laughs) critic, right? Let me just ask you this. And then I can let you get on with your day. So you can go to the gym and do all that kind of good stuff. For someone that is just discovering that they like to write or that they want to share some of themselves with the world because that's that's kind of hard to do sometimes what kind of what kind of advice would you have to a young poet or a young writer
1: Uh, just keep on writing and listen to your voice intuition and fight for that honestly just fight for your own voice Mm. Because so many people will try to dim that voice down with their beliefs you should do this, you should do that. Listen to yourself and fight for the voice. Whether you be a writer, a poet, a human being, period.
2: Mm. A
1: human being, because everybody will tell you, you know, including with parents to their children. Um, with certain, something that I saw with my son, I feel like his father is trying to more live his life through my son based on certain things that I've gotten very recently and before. But I always tell my son and when he will read my text messages, like, make yourself happy. Whatever it is that your heart wants, go for that. You should never try to make other people happy in the aspect of mold yourself into what they need you to be.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: follow your heart, follow your voice.
0: Yeah.
1: Poet or not, life, that's period.
0: Yeah, those are some, some wise words, and I appreciate you sharing that um, you know, with me and with us. So um, I want to say that I wish you continued success in all of your endeavors, whether it's writing, poetry, or life in general. I just wish you all the best. Um, and, you know, just thank you for taking time out from your schedule, especially a th- especially a three hour difference. Because you was like, well, let me see how I feel when I wake up. I'm like, "Whoa!" Um, but do do I look difference. OK because I try to put
1: myself together.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You look, you look good. You look good. My you know,
2: puffy
0: eyes. You know, very well. It's funny. It's funny you would say that because I got the same thing. But glasses covers that up a little bit. You know what yes, I mean? Because yes. sometimes I'll be like, I'll be, in here, I'll be like, oh my goodness, look at that. And then I put, and then I put my glasses on. I'll be like, okay, <laughs> you know. What I mean? Well, I have, but, I
1: have, I have a strong prescription. When my other glasses, you can see my my puffy eyes through my glasses still. But yeah. regardless, it's me. This is morning me and my voice. Oh my god.
0: <laughs> so um, <coughs> now. You know, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to thank you for tuning in and and listening to this episode of Spotlight Conversations. LGD Poet, thank you very much again, and and hopefully we'll be speaking soon.
1: Yeah, if you guys want to follow me on Instagram, it's just L- at LGD Poet. Um, Facebook, I think it's the same. Or just my first name and last name, Lizette Dunn.
0: Yeah, say that again. That's and I neglected to uh, ask you that too. Can you just repeat them, nice and, and sure, slow, on, so the Sure.
1: Instagram, is just at lgdpoet, and on Facebook, it's Lizeth Dunn. I don't really have a lot of my poetry up there, but I'm hoping that as I get my poetry book finished, that you will follow me enough to support me and buy the book.
0: Oh yeah, most definitely. And and when it comes out, well, you know, I will definitely spread you all over my social media pages um and on my website because we get a lot of people that come through there and um they do show support you know uh but thank you again and i really appreciate it and you enjoy your day